Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Helpside Basketball Strategy and Analytics Podcast. I am your host, John Jansen, head men's basketball coach at La Sierra University located in Riverside, California. And I wanted to get a podcast out before Thanksgiving um, so you guys have something to listen to on your trips home or your flights or your long drives to see relatives, uh, maybe something to help you pass the time a little quicker. So on the podcast today, I'm going to talk to you guys a little about what's going on in the NBA, what's going on with our season, and then I am going to talk about guarding a flat screen because that's happened to us a couple times and I kind of wanted to break that down, how we guarded it and how I felt like we did a good job with it. So that's what we've got today. So let's start by getting into kind of what's going on in the world of basketball right now. Obviously, college basketball is in full swing. Duke lost last night to SF Austin, Stephen F. Austin. And uh, I haven't had a chance to watch that game yet. You know, it's hard during basketball season um, to watch a lot of basketball because we practice in the evenings every night. And then I'm spending all my time watching game film especially at the NAIA level where you can play 30 games. We have basically two games a week, sometimes three, like this upcoming week after Thanksgiving break, we have three. So spending all my time breaking down film, you know, uh, scouting and watching other teams and then breaking our film down. So I don't have a lot of time to watch. I try to catch Laker games, but I really don't get locked into college basketball as much until later on in the season, kind of when they get into conference play, because I don't feel like it's that important to watch the big name teams beat up on the little guys, because it doesn't really teach you anything about them. And, you know, I know Stephen F. Austin beat Duke, but for the most part, there are a lot of blowouts and stuff. And I'd rather watch, you know, two good teams play than, than watch a blowout. But I am pretty locked in on the Lakers as much as I can. And uh, especially when we're on the road, being in California, I'll put the Laker game on in the van as we drive to road games and stuff. So I'm really impressed with the Lakers. I know that they've kind of played a soft schedule, but I've been really impressed with how they've played, how they've how their how their team is seems like it's it's built for the playoffs, how they've they're built to win on the road. And they're a veteran team, and veteran teams are the kind of teams that win championships. And I'm just really excited about how they look. And it all comes down to LeBron and how unselfish he's playing and how much of a facilitator he has become. He's leading the NBA in assists. I think he had 14 last game. Um, They play the Pelicans tonight, so he's probably going to try to get Anthony Davis going early and get him going off so he can kind of stick it to the Pelicans a little bit. And, you know, as I got older in my career, and it seems like LeBron's the same way, the only thing you care about is winning. You don't care about your own personal numbers. I'm sure LeBron cares a little bit that he's leading the league in in assists, because that's a cool stat to have. But he's also averaging 25 a game. And I, I was, you know, I was the same way later on in my career where, you don't need to go out and just show everybody you can score a bunch of points. The whole point is to win the game. And when you can get your teammates involved, especially teammates that aren't as good as you, 
and you're distributing them and getting them involved and, and making them better, then they're going to play for you. They're going to come out and defend. They're going to want to play hard every night and they're going to love playing with you. And I think that that was that's the difference between LeBron in the tailish, you know, end of his career and Kobe at the end of his career where nobody wanted to come play with the Lakers because the deal was Kobe's going to shoot 30 to 40 times a game and then whatever you guys do go ahead. And free agents didn't want to come out here to the Lakers because they didn't want to play second fiddle to a guy who was basically done but wasn't wasn't going to let go. And everyone says, oh, mama mentality, mama mentality. It's called ball hog mentality. And LeBron does not have an ounce of that in him. And he knows when the time it is needed for him to score, and he knows when the time is needed for him to pass. And it's really simple. I mean, he can get to the rim whenever he wants, and if they stop him, then he dishes to someone who's open, and if they, if it's one-on-one, then he just scores on the guy. And it's it's pretty simple, and it's working, and I, and I think that it's just a great game plan for him. And then it it makes the other guys feel valuable because they're getting the numbers and they're getting the shots and they're being involved in the game. And then that in turn gets them to want to play defense too. And I just love the way the Lakers are built right now. And I love um, where they're going with this team and, and whether or not they win the championship this year, I think they're building something, and I know LeBron's towards the end of his career, but if they can re-sign Anthony Davis, keep all these shooters, you know, LeBron can go for three, four, five more years of being a facilitator and just kind of easing his way in the scoring, you know, 25, 24, 22, 20, and still get eight or nine assists and be a real force for a long time. So it's pretty cool, and uh, I really think the Lakers have a great chance to get to the finals this year. I want to talk also a little bit about my team and kind of my experiences here trying to rebuild this program. We are sitting at three and six right now. Uh, The team last year won three games the entire year and we got our third win about a week and a half ago. And so we still have 20 or 21 games left. So I think we should be able to get at least one more, but I'm hoping we can get a bunch more. I'd love to get to something like 10 um, would be great. It's definitely been a bigger challenge than I thought coming in. Um, You know, I'm a defensive-minded coach, and I just always thought, you give me any guys and I'll teach them how to play defense, and we'll be able to hang around and stay in in the game with anybody because we can defend, and then, you know, we'll figure it out on offense. Well, these guys, I don't know if they weren't taught defense, but it has been really hard trying to get these guys to play defense the way I want the defense to be played and you know we've done we've worked on defense minimum of half the practice every day since you know the beginning of the season which is mid-September and here we are late November and we still are working on the basics and it's 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 crazy to me because the way these guys we're defending the, you know, every time a guy is staring at his guy with his back to the ball. I mean, it's it's crazy, and it's taken. It's it's basically like, obviously, we're not a low level, but it's basically like teaching a high school JV team how to play defense, and that's fine because they need it. But 
I just thought we would be further along at this point. And some of our defensive breakdowns are, frankly, like a little embarrassing. Like, you know, guys will have their back turned and a guy will dribble right down their, down up their back and lay the ball in and they'll never even have seen him. Or, you know, just stuff like that where we give up these easy points and you're just like, wow, we're that team. We're that team, that unfundamental team. And it, it's really frustrating, but we are slowly, excuse me, taking steps in the right direction. And I'm hoping by the time we get to our conference play a little over a month away, that we'll be ready because we're I'm I'm laying the fundamentals down every day, and I think next year will be a lot better because we won't have to teach those fundamentals except to you know maybe a couple new guys or whatever. But these guys will start to know what's expected of them defensively and and how to play defense the right way. And I mean I'm talking about we've taken like two charges in nine games, and when someone dribbles down the lane, we get out of the way. And it's like they're scared or I don't even know. It's it's embarrassing. And, you know, we've run some drills for taking charge and stuff like that. But it's just something that most people have in them. And that's also a thing that you have to want to do. And the fact that we get out of the way, it's like it's like the guys are scared a little bit. And it's it's really it's really odd. Anyway, talking about the offense, we're we're averaging over 20 turnovers a game. And this is another thing that. I didn't anticipate would take so long. We literally have to do jump stop practice every single day for the first 10 minutes of practice because these guys go to the rim, jump, and then try to pass the ball or shoot it, and we're committing three to four offensive fouls every single game. And again, it's embarrassing because these teams are set up so early to take a charge and our guys still run over them. And we work on it and we work on it, and then we go out in the game and these guys jump pass every single time. And they throw the ball away, they get caught in the air, they commit charges. And it's really tough. And it's just the fact that that's the way they were taught or or lack of teaching the last few years here. And I really have to like change the entire thing and, and try to make it more fundamental. But it is fun. Obviously, coaching is really fun. It's a chess match at the college level, I feel. And, you know, I'm really excited. We've got our three wins, which was like obviously the bare minimum I was thinking um, I wanted to try to get to six before we got to our conference. We have lost a game or two that I kind of checked the box. Really one that I really had checked the box that I thought we should have won. And we just didn't come out and play. So we're probably not going to get to six by the end of um, the Christmas break. But, you know, if we could get one or two more, I think that would be good enough for me at this point knowing what I know now and kind of our our lack of, I don't know, fundamentals. We've also lost two players to ineligibility. One guy I talked about last time used all his eligibility at the JC level, and then another guy who we may get back next semester. If we do, we're going to be really good because he's going to be our best player. Um, he was ineligible coming from another school. So if we can get a guy, that guy back, I think we can really do some damage. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of update you guys on how we're doing. And um, so far, so far, so good. Moving on to the strategy strategy session, I wanted to talk about guarding a flat screen. So we played a team called Life Pacific College, and they, in the second half, we were, we, this is one of the teams we beat. And um, in the second half, we 
were pretty far ahead and they were kind of scrambling and they kept doing this flat screen with their point guard who was really fast and he would just attack the flat screen. Our guy would get clipped a little bit on the screen and he would be getting uncontested layups because they have four shooters and they would pack their shooters around um, this point guard and then their, and even their guy who was setting the screen was a pick and pop guy. So it became a tough guard and it's not like we could switch our big guy onto him because he was way too quick. He would get by him. So we played them again a second time and they actually just beat us, which was a little frustrating because I think we're, we improved more than they did in the interim time between the two games and we beat them the first time and we just shot the ball very badly. We shot 28% for the game and I felt like we took a lot of selfish shots and it's kind of like shots that the guy, our guys don't usually take and so it was really frustrating. We lost by six. Anyway, so in preparation for that game, we worked on guarding this flat screen. And we like to pressure out a little bit on the wings um, and try to make teams uncomfortable and try to make them run their offense further away from the basket and all that good stuff. And what it does is it, it opens up more space for drivers. And, and so we were a little exposed when we played them the first time. So this is what we did, and I think it was pretty effective in slowing down the that flat screen action. So when they have a flat screen, obviously you have a guy, you know, facing the the ball handler, and the ball handler's in the middle of the court up top. The guy sets a flat screen, so he just stands there basically, and the guy, the ball handler, tries to go downhill fast and attack and get by. And then if you help from the sides or from the baseline helper, then they, sh- the guy is supposed to pass to the corners and knock down threes. And it's pretty tar- tough to guard. So what we decided to do was, well, first thing we, we did two things because number one, he, he's not a great shooter. So when they set that flat screen really high up, like above the three point line, we told our point guard to run back underneath it and start underneath the flat screen and then our big guy who was guarding their big guy would kind of put his hand up so if their point guard tried to shoot from behind the screen then he's got a 6'8 guy with a long reach that he has to shoot over and then if he whichever side he goes then our point guard who's standing underneath not only their flat screener but our defender with his hands up we just meets him on whichever side he comes out on and tries to stop that drive and that was pretty effective but what they started doing was setting that screen lower so that if you go underneath, he's just shooting a normal three. We're not, you know, when they were setting it high, he would have to take almost an NBA three to shoot it over our defender's hand. But what they started doing was setting the screen below the three-point line. So if we're behind it, he can just shoot, you know, a regular college three or a step behind, which is a makeable shot. So what we decided to do was kind of funnel him into our side of the court that had their other two offensive players. Because obviously you have him at the top, the screener at the three-point line, which leaves three guys. So they would have one side with two shooters and one side with one shooter. So we were pressuring out on the wing, and then 
the guy who's in the corners, the guys who are in the corners, we would have our help side guys all the way down near the paint. And that would be the help. So we, we bluff and recover ball side. So you can't just pitch it over there for a three. And then our help comes from the bottom guys. Pretty standard, I think. So what we decided to do was we were going to funnel him into the side that had the two guys, the two offensive guys and the two defensive guys, because we decided we were going to rotate down on the drive. So I'll explain. So let's say the two, the two guys, I'm trying to just trying to get a picture for you guys. The two offensive guys would be on the left side and they'd have one on the right side and then the screener and then the ball handler. So if we saw that he was on the left side or if, if we're playing defense, our right side, we would yell force right, excuse me, force him. Yeah. Force him to our right, his left. And so our defender would jump to the right side on his hip, almost behind him and not let him go left because that's the side where we only have one defend one help guy. So we jump on his hip, force him and almost trail the screen. Even though the screen's going downhill towards the basket, we're almost trailing that screen. Okay. And if we, if we, if he gets back, this is like a read by our defense. If he gets back, once he's under the screen, then everyone goes back to their guys. But if he gets by him, which he's probably going to do because we're on his hip and we're kind of giving him this drive, then our bottom guy, who is already near the paint because he's in help side, he is going to pick up that ball handler. The guy who's guarding the guy on the wing is going to rotate immediately to that corner guy. And the guy who's guarding the ball is going to rotate out to that wing guy. And we are doing like basically, we were basically doing a a three-person rotation on purpose. And it worked out pretty well. So the guy would drive. We got on his hip. He would kind of use the screen. We were kind of behind him trailing a little bit. Our bottom guy would step over, pick him up. That guy on the wing, because clearly at the corner of his eye, he's going to know that our bottom guy is helping. So he's going to see that that corner guy is the guy that's going to be open. But but we're anticipating that. And so the guy who's guarding the wing is already on his way down there. And it wasn't to steal the ball, but it's just basically to pick the guy. Obviously, if he could steal, that'd be great. But it's to pick that guy up. And then that trailing guy on the ball just picks up that wing guy. And it worked pretty well. And we actually decided also that that bottom guy on the two-man side was basically just going to be our help guy no matter which way he went. So let's say he spun or something and went the other way to the side that only, like basically to his right, to the side that only, only they only had one offensive guy and we only had one defensive guy. We told that guy, you're going to bluff and stay home, and that guy that's on the other side with two is going to come all the way across and we're going to do the same rotation, except for one little thing. So he comes off, let's say that there's two guys on the left, on his left, on our defense is right, but he spins on our guy and goes to the right, okay? So now we only have one defender on that side to help. And if that guy comes off and helps, he's going to toss it to the corner for an open three. Well, we decided that bottom guy is going to come all the way across, which is just going across the paint, still pick up the ball handler. That guy on the, now in the far, far wing is still going to rotate down to that far corner guy, which actually should be an easier rotation because now that guy's further away. The pass is going to take longer to get there, etc. And then our guy guarding the flat screener 
is now going to just rotate over a couple steps and pick up that wing, and the guy trailing is going to take the, the flat screener. And we thought this would be easier because it just makes a shorter run for everyone. Instead of that guy who was guarding the ball handler running all the way across the court to the far wing, which he could have done, he just has to rotate a couple steps back up to the top of the key where the shooter is, where the where the flat screener is, and then the big just rotates a couple steps over, and that's pending a pass, right? Because if they pass it back to the top, if he like jump stops and throws it back to the top, obviously our guy who's guarding the flat screener isn't going to run away from the ball. He's going to stay with him. So basically saying if if they threw it over there on the throw, on the pass, that guy's going to rotate over. Our guy guarding the ball screener is going to rotate up. And now we've done a full rotation. Well, not quite full, but four out of the five guys have, no, have now rotated over one spot. And, and there we have it. And I think moving forward, we're going to continue guarding that way because first of all, I think it's a good way to guard, but I mean, it's a kind of a basic way to guard because at this level, you can't, you can't help from the balls from one pass away. If you help from one pass away, they're just going to dribble at you. You step over and help toss it to your, toss it to the guy, your, the guy who's helping is guarding and bang that three. So I actually liked when it went to the weak side, to the side with one guy, because those passes are across the court are much further, and it gives us more time to get out to that. So I really like that, and I think moving forward we're going to be more effective guarding that. I think the thing that we're struggling with a bit is keeping guys in front of us because we switch a lot. And even those rotations right there, everyone's going to be on someone who's not their guy they started on. And so what happens is, is guys try to take us off the dribble and we end up having to play a lot of help because sometimes our bigs get caught on these guards and then they back up and they just try to take you one-on-one. And the question is, is it smarter to switch every screen so guys aren't coming off screens open? Pick and roll is basically ineffective completely ineffective. No one can pick and roll us because we switch. You can't turn the corner. I've taught these guys how to jump underneath or roll over the top and guard the roller. So teams literally cannot pick and roll against us, which is great. But sometimes we're getting these bad matchups and we have a couple big guys who are a little slow and, you know, they take them off the dribble or they dribble at them a step and they back up and then they shoot a three in their face. And so the question is, is it better to try to stay home and have good matchups, but maybe sometimes get beat on pick and roll when while you're getting back? Or is it better to switch everything, but occasionally, you know, have teams that will try to take you off the dribble when they get mismatches? And it's not really a post problem. You would think, okay, well, they could take a guy into the post. But we do a pretty good job of fronting when it's a when it's a when it's a size mismatch and have having backside help. So it's really more of the guy taking us off the dribble. So if anyone has any thoughts, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm still working on this website. It's almost finished. It's up, but it's not how I want it yet. And I'm literally like paying rent on it every month, which is awful, but that's life. 
and hopefully we can be more interactive once this website is up and ready. So I'm going to try to get back to you guys right before Christmas. Again, you know, we have a week off and it'll be nice to have a chance to kind of look back on the first half of the season and uh, look at, have some stuff to talk about. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time.